following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Very glad to have you all with us this morning. Uh, I'd like to welcome uh, all of you who are visiting us uh, for the first time, either here in person or online. Um, we're very grateful to have you with us. And for those of you who have been around, hey. <laughs> so we're picking up where we left off last week in First Peter. Uh, we're going to look again at verses 17 through 21, and that's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. Now, if you were here last week, I'm sure you've been going crazy with the cliffhanger we left off with last week. Uh, we... <laughs> We got through uh, the first three points on arguments for holy living. Uh, what could the second three points possibly be? I know it's kept you up at night. Uh, it's not really much of a cliffhanger, really. If you have a Bible, uh, you could have read really read ahead a little bit. That's, that's okay. Um, you have it right in front of you. You can read it for yourselves. So let's read that text, and we'll pray, and, and then uh, we'll jump in. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways you inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. Father, we count it a great privilege to be able to gather around your word this morning freely. We pray, Father, that your spirit would speak. For these are your words, and we are your children, and we long to hear from you. So, Father, we give you this time for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let's review. What are the first three arguments for holy living based on this text of First Peter? I, I have them written down, so if... If we call on him as father, we should act like his children. Argument number one. True faith is not a hollow dream or empty talk, but holy living in the fear of God. Not terror, but reverence, awe, and wonder of our father. And what does that look like? It looks like living like God is loving our enemies, doing good, lending without expecting anything in return except for my tools, being kind to the ungrateful. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Being kind to the ungrateful and evil, being merciful just as our father is merciful, being imitators of God as dearly loved children. We call on him as father. We should act like we're his children. Argument number two. He, spelling is important. He judges impartially, not in, 
not impatiently. <laughs> he judges impartially according to each one's deeds. Good job. You should marry a pastor. You're really good at that. He judges impartially according to each one's deeds. And so we should act accordingly, not to earn our salvation or earn God's favor, but to prove it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Again, this is not to gain salvation, but to prove it. Living like we're saved, not living so that we can be saved. Argument number three. Jesus chose us out of the world. We're exiles, so don't start acting like a local. The world hates the church. Plain and simple. The world hates the church because the world hates Jesus. They want to take him down. He's not the son of God. He's just a good teacher. He's just a nice person. No. Yes, Jesus is a good teacher. Yes, Jesus was a nice person. But yes, Jesus is the son of God. Yes, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He took the death that we deserve on the cross. If we belong to the world, the world would love us as its own. But because Jesus chose us out of the world, we are not of this world anymore, and so we shouldn't act like we are. We live in a totally different paradigm, according to a totally different set of principles. So, as you know, I love three-point sermons so much, the Lord decided to bless me with two in a row. So this morning, we're going to focus on three more arguments for holy living, according to this text. And I'd like to introduce those three arguments with a quote from Beatty the Venerable. Like, is that not a name to aspire to? Beatty the Venerable. What a great name. Sounds like a character from a fantasy book or movie. But he was an actual person, a Benedictine monk born around the turn of the 8th century in England. Beatty the Venerable, and he wrote, In proportion to the price at which you have been redeemed from corruption of carnal life should be your fear not to grieve your Savior's heart by a relapse, for the punishments will correspond to the worth of the ransom. They didn't call him the Venerable for nothing. Beatty the Venerable was pointing back to where this argument all started, And that is the great worth of the gospel, the great treasure that is the grace that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is where the second three arguments find their basis. When we consider the great worth of our salvation and the great price that was paid for it, we cannot help but aspire to holy living. If we keep in mind the treasure that is ours, what Jesus did for us, we cannot help but live differently to aspire to holy living. So here's argument number four from verse 18 to 19. 
knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Argument number four is that we have been ransomed and the price was great. We have been ransomed and the price paid was great. So in considering this argument, it would, it would behoove us to have a good understanding of what Peter meant by ransomed. What does it mean to be ransomed? Jesus said in Mark 10.45 that Jesus, he did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word ransom here can be and has been translated redeemed. You may have that in your particular translation if you're not using the same as me. Ransom and redeem. These are these are fine churchy words, right? We sing these words all the time. We've we've sung them already this morning. It's almost as if Joel had the sermon notes before. So if we sing these words all the time, and we may even use these words all the time, it stands to reason that we ought to have a strong handle on what they mean and not just settle for it. That's a churchy word, and I know it's good. And so I'll sing it and not think about what it means. So for you Greek scholars, you will all know, you'll recognize the word uh, lutruo. Lutruo is the word translated ransom here in the English versions. And it describes deliverance. It describes liberation. It's the process of setting slaves free, purchasing, purchasing them from their former masters with the express purpose of setting them free. That's, the, that's why they translate it to just one word. Otherwise, your Bible would be a lot thicker. Jesus himself purchased us from our former master, death. And he has set us free from the feudal ways inherited from our forefathers that only lead to death. That we could have new life in him as new creatures. Now, as I said last week, the feudal ways of our forefathers, they they have their roots in appearances and they are devoid of all true foundation. They are selfish, empty and hollow. They may fool our friends, but they will never fool our father. And we've been set free from these sinful ways that only lead to death. We've been bought back. We have been bought for life, and the price paid was great. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and And men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. The price paid was not perishable things such as silver or gold, but the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The precious blood of Christ undefiled by sin, unstained. 
Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, just as John the Baptist proclaimed. And we see the shadow of the spotless Lamb in the Passover, right? Um, the blood of the Lamb spread on the doorposts of the houses of the people of Israel so that the angel of death would pass over them the last plague while they were in Egypt. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, 7-8, through 8, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. We celebrate the Passover festival with the bread of sincerity and truth. Living in sincerity truth, that it kind of sounds like kind of sounds like holy living to me. It's exactly what we're talking about. Titus two fourteen says that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Well, what does that sound like? More holy living. I could go on forever. And good news, we actually will. <laughs> Praise God. But we're not going to start right now. We're going to... Argument number four, we have been ransomed, bought back from death, and the price was great. J.P. Lang wrote, The blood of the God-man is more valuable by far than the blood of many thousand valiant warriors. The price paid was great. So argument number five for holy living... This must, you note takers must love this. Non note takers like one point sermons, right? <laughs> no notes necessary. Argument number five for holy living Christ was foreknown by God and sent to earth for us. Verse 20 says he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Now, this may seem obvious, probably because we talk about it all the time, but but just hear me out. Christ's coming to ransom us, to redeem us, was not a natural development. Jesus wasn't just some good guy from the backwoods that thought he could help people by dying on the cross just for telling people to be nice to each other. That's not it. It's not a natural development. And he didn't just show up when the time was right or the conditions were right, like when the student is ready, the master will appear. No, it's not that kind of thing. It was known and determined by God before Adam took his first breath. It was foreknown and determined by God that Christ would be sent to die on the cross to pay the price for our redemption this wasn't some sudden knee-jerk reaction by God. It was the plan from the beginning. God didn't look down and say, oh, no, things are going awry. I have to fix this. This was the plan. This was the plan from before the beginning. The plan from before the beginning was to send Christ for us, his church. Believers are the end 
and the aim of the mission of Christ. He was sent so that we might believe, and so we do. And so we owe him our allegiance and our obedience. We owe him holy living. Argument number four, we've been ransomed, bought back from death, and the price was great. Argument number five, Christ was foreknown by God and sent to earth for us. Our salvation was the plan all along. And so we ought to live in holiness. And finally, argument number six. Maybe next week we'll only have one point. We can only hope. (laughs) You just like watching me suffer. Finally, argument number six. God made faith and hope in him truly possible through Christ. And faith results in holy living. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having faith and hope in God through Christ is the first step in holy living. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Doesn't that seem kind of silly? We still need to be reminded of it. Holy living has faith and hope as its foundation. Holy living is the sweet fruit of faith. This may, in truth, be the hardest of the arguments to live with, but here it goes. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. James uses the word works. We've been using the words holy living. They mean the same thing. Holy living is the evidence of faith and hope in God through Christ. Holy living is the evidence. If we have faith in Christ, if we have faith in his resurrection, if we have hope in his return the confident expectation that his return will truly complete our salvation, then we will live lives in pursuit of holy living, the type of lives that he describes in his word. It's not mystery. It's not secret rules that you have to wait until you gain certain levels of wisdom. It's all right here in his word. This is how he wants us to live. God sent Jesus. God raised Jesus. 
God glorified Jesus. God will send Jesus back for us. Our faith and hope are in God through Jesus Christ. And so we must live lives that prove it. We call on him as father, and so we should act like his children. He judges impartially based on a person's deeds, and so our deeds should be worthy of him according to his word. We're exiles in this world because Jesus chose us out of the world. And so we should not conform to the wicked customs of the land of our sojourn. We have been ransomed, bought back, and the price was great. And so our lives should reflect our gratitude. Our salvation through faith in Christ was God's plan from before the beginning. And so we ought to live lives of holiness. And finally, God made faith and hope in him possible through Jesus Christ. And true faith results in holy living. There's an often incompletely understood word that gets used a lot in the church. And that word is worship. Worship is often used to describe singing, music. And singing and music, we have time of worship, and then we have time in the word, and then we have time of prayer, and then we go to lunch. That's not it. Maybe worship is is uh, expanded to include our whole service here. Right? That's what we put on the sign, worship 9.37 a.m. Sometimes it feels like we worship 9.37 a.m. Right? Church has to happen at 9.37. Well, it does. Sometimes. <laughs> when we're paying attention. But that kind of worship, right? we've been at it for an hour now, almost, and then it's over? Is worship over when the last song is sung? No. That kind of worship is only once a week. That kind of worship doesn't last very long. That kind of worship is wonderful. Believe me, I love seeing you. I love singing with you. I love sharing the word with you. But that's not it. It's incomplete. That's just a piece. Life is worship. We're either worshiping our Father through holy living or we're worshiping something else with unholy living. That's what it's all about. Life is worship. When we don't pursue holy living as described in God's word, we're worshiping something else. We're made to worship. Humans are built for worship. And it's exactly what we do. We're either worshiping God or we're worshiping ourselves or the world or the devil or who knows what. But it's not our father. It's not our savior when we live like that. Holy living is how we worship. And that includes singing and music. That includes spending time in his word. That includes spending time in prayer. Includes spending time in fellowship and encouraging one another. 
spurring one another on to love and good works. <laughs> oh, sounds like holy living again. Right? That's what we're here to do. That's what the church is supposed to do all the time. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Father, I think it's easy for us to sit in this place and say amen to this word, to nod our heads in agreement and give it our hearty mm-hmm. But Lord, may this truth bear out in our lives, all of it, so that our worship is not confined to this room. Our worship is not confined to weekly services. But our lives would be lives of worship. Holy living. Living according to your word. So that we could display that we're our children. That we're your children. We could display that uh, we are living righteously in your sight. So we have no fear of judgment. That we could live lives of gratitude for your sacrifice for us. And people could see that and be drawn to you. That they too would know the freedom that we have in Christ. The freedom from sin and from death in the grave. To know that there is a Heavenly Father that loves them and sacrifice his own son for them. Father, may we live lives of holiness and worship as demonstrations of the good news that Jesus Christ was born to die to save sinners just like us. We're so grateful. Use this word for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.